Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to the Tuesday broadcast of Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. Been praying for you, praying for God to protect you as you drive up and down the highway, praying that you will continue to grow in your faith. Well, as Yogi Berra used to always say, he had these Yogi Berraisms, and they cracked me up. And I wanted to share a couple of them uh, because we're talking about a real serious subject today. We're talking about suffering and why we should keep on serving even in the midst of suffering. But Yogi Berra said this, it ain't over till it's over. I thought that was pretty good, right? And then he said this, it's deja vu all over again. Uh, That's kind of redundant, but that's how Yogi Berra was. And then he said this, 90% of the game is half mental. And then he said this, nobody goes there anymore. It's too crowded. Well, uh, as you see these contradictory statements, uh, they were called Yogi Bearisms. And I love talking about Yogi Bearisms because sometimes I've been guilty of making some of those statements myself. But I want you to know when it comes to serving the Lord, nothing is more joyful. Nothing is more rewarding than serving the Lord. We've been looking at 1 Peter in the broadcast. This is the second part of the message of why should I keep on serving even when I'm suffering? And we shared yesterday because God wants us to lead the flock. And oftentimes he uses people that are hurting because he never wastes a hurt. I mean, after all, how much would you trust a person to navigate you through difficulties in life if they've never had any difficulties in life? I discovered that God uses those who have had the difficult past to be a blessing to people in the present. So we are involved in helping to lead the flock. Somebody is counting on us. Somebody is depending upon us. Let's be a blessing to them. Secondly, we are called to not only lead the flock, but to feed the flock. As you look at the relationship that Jesus had with Peter, he said to Peter, do you love me? Three times he said that. Peter gets a little grieved because he says it three times to him. So Jesus says, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. And then he says the third time, tend to my sheep. So feed the flock, protect the flock. God has given us an opportunity to be heavily involved in protecting the flock from the wolves. We are living in a day and age where churches, I think, need more protection from evil than ever. This is great movement that is causing the church to compromise biblical doctrine and biblical truth. And I want you to know that it takes strong men and women of the word to be able to stand up to the forces of evil. Uh, We must be involved in protecting the flock. We've got to be on guard at all times. And here the Holy Spirit helps to protect us. The Holy Spirit that was given to us, that was purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ, And I want you to know that if you are a spirit-filled believer, uh, you don't have to worry about savage wolves. Now, I'm not saying we're not prepared for them. Uh, We are prepared. We are ready for them. We're not fearful of them because we realize that God has called us to do this. You know, whenever God calls you, somebody say this, God's work done God's way will never lack God's resources. Uh, So Paul said to Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to your care. Turn away from godless chatter and the opposing ideas of what is falsely called knowledge, which some have professed and in so doing so have wandered from the faith. Grace be with you. Isn't this a wonderful encouragement that Paul has given to Timothy? Timothy, you have been entrusted with the very word of God. Don't get involved in godless chatter. Don't get involved with all these opposing ideas that appear to be brilliant, that are falsely called knowledge. 
He says, some have professed this and, and they wander from the faith. And then he says, may God's grace be with you. And then we learned yesterday that we're also to continue to serve because as we serve when we're suffering, it helps others to be equipped and others to be engaged. And that's kind of where we left off the broadcast yesterday. And I want to encourage you to be involved in leading others in a relationship with Christ. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus says, now, suppose one of you have a hundred sheep and you lose one. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that lost sheep until he finds it? And then when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. And then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my sheep. He says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous who do not need to repent. You see, the Bible is clear that many people have and many people will continue to wander from the faith. Now, Paul gives us a hint as to why that happens. And we could say in a very broad way, we wander from the faith because we feed the flesh. But Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse number 10, that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. He says, some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Paul's pretty clear here. It's not the money that's the problem. It's the love of money that causes all kinds of evil. And because of that evil, many who are eager for money wander from the faith, and they experience many griefs. You know, James also weighs in on this subject as to why do we wander from the truth and how we should bring somebody back who is wandering from the truth. And he says, if my brothers, one of you, if you are wandering from the truth and somebody should bring you back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the inner of his ways will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. So let me give you a word of encouragement. Perhaps you're listening today to the broadcast and you know that you're wandering. You're starting to drift in your relationship with Christ. You're starting to get a little bit, uh, uh, allowing some compromises in your life. And God has brought somebody in your life that has given you warnings. Oh, would you listen to that person? God has raised that person up for a reason. It takes a lot of courage to confront somebody when they're beginning to drift in their faith. Would you respect that person enough and honor God enough to realize that that person may be turning a sinner from the error of his ways, may be saving you from death, may be saving you from the consequences of the multitude of sins that you're about to commit? Oh, listen to that brother or sister in Christ who loves you so much, doesn't want you to go down that path of destruction. James reminds us that when we bring that person back, we are bringing that person back to life. We are sparing their life. You know, as we think about sparing people, we're called to be merciful to those who are suffering. Uh, we need to help people who have wandered and fallen into a fire or fallen off the path and, and got burned. And this means that we must be merciful to those who doubt. Now, Jude was real specific. Uh, that little short book of Jude is a pack of dynamite. 
It's just dealing with false teachers and, and, and how they wreak havoc within the church. And Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. Snatch others from the fire and save them. To others, show mercy mixed with fear, hating even the clothes that are stained by corrupted flesh. You see, we need to be mindful that all of us have wandered at times. We have all gone astray. But the point is to return to the shepherd. Peter says, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your souls. Isaiah says, all of us like sheep have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. You see, we should continue to even serve while we're suffering, because as we're doing that, we're providing an example to the flock, especially the younger members of the flock, as they watch our lives and they watch us navigate through difficult times. You know, Matthew chapter 20, Jesus called his disciples around and, and he says, you know, that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lorded over them. And their great men exercise authority over them. But he says, it's not that way among you. He says, whoever wishes to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever wishes to be first among you shall be your slave. Being an example of a servant, even in the midst of suffering. I think about providing examples to those in the congregation. You know, the most powerful influence any shepherd has is his example. You know, two merchants went to a revival service, and they went to listen to a preacher. Now, this preacher was a man of of some reputation, and these men were competitors in business, and and each one knew the heart burnings that arose in their business life. After some nights, one of them went forward— as a seeker after life in Christ. The other was under a measure of conviction, but didn't yield to the Holy Spirit. As he saw his competitor go forward, he said within himself, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to watch him. If he lives it out one year, I will believe there is really something to it, and I will become a Christian myself. For one year, he watched that man and saw a total complete change in his business life. And not only did his business life change, his social life changed, his everyday life changed. At the end of that year, the watcher sought and found God and forgiveness of his sins through Christ. He then went to that merchant whose life he had watched so closely. And he said, for one whole year, I have watched you and your life has convinced me there is something real in your Christian faith. That man was the beginning of a new movement called the Presbyterian Church. As a result of seeing the example of a Christian life lived, his life was changed. You know, I think about what changes our lives. If you're a born-again believer, you're either a wonderful example of how others should want to live their lives, or you're a terrible example of how others should not want to live their lives. You see, all of us are an example to somebody, either an example for good or an example for bad. In our times of suffering, I think people look at us even closer 
during our times of suffering? How do you handle stress? How do you respond to pressure in your life? Does it cause you to quit, throw in the towel, throw up your hands and say, what's the use? Does it cause you to quit or does it cause you to strive even harder? I want you to know, when pressure comes on us, it reveals what's within us. And there's another reason why we should continue to press on even when the pressure is on us. Because as we do, it helps us to live for the future, where one day we will be eternally rewarded. That reward may not take place until you die. That reward may not take place until Jesus returns but that reward will be given to you. You know, the death of C.S. Lewis on November 22, 1963, has been for many years overshadowed by the assassination of President John F. Kennedy on that very same day. Well, the anniversary of Lewis's death seldom gets much press. Throngs of people crowd into Arlington Memorial Cemetery to watch the changing of the guard at the tomb of the unknown soldier, and to climb the hill to Kennedy's eternal flame. My friend, even our lives will be overshadowed by the rich and the famous. You know that we're not living for this life. We're living for a reward and a home that will last forever. In the remaining moments that we have together, I want to share with you just a couple verses that I think will really encourage you if you're going through a hard time. The first is from the book of James, and and James was the half-brother of Christ who was never converted while Jesus was alive, but was converted after Jesus rose from the dead. And this is what he said, James 1.12. Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, He will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Now, that crown of life, some would call this the suffering crown or the sufferer's crown that is given to those who remain steadfast under pressure. The test is placed upon them. And we're not talking about just ordinary, everyday struggles. We're talking about a trial that will take you to the brink of disaster. If you remain steadfast under that trial, you'll receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. That's James 1.12. Here's another encouraging text. Matthew chapter 16, verse 27. And I find this verse very helpful when I'm going through a hard time because I'm reminded that the Son of Man is going to come with his angels in the glory of his Father. And then he will repay each person according to what he has done. Have you ever been really kind and thoughtful to somebody and and maybe helped them? And they never even were so gracious as to say, thank you. And you're wondering, did, did they even appreciate what I did for them? Do they even care about what I've done? Did they even know what I've done for them? They haven't acknowledged it. Jesus says, remember this, each person will be rewarded, repaid, according to what he has done. Even if nobody else sees what you have done, Jesus has seen it, the Son of Man, he has seen it, and he will repay you. Here's another verse that is found at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus is encouraging his followers 
And he says in Matthew 5, 12, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That is so encouraging to realize that I'm not the first person to go through a hard time. When persecution comes, others have been persecuted before me. The prophets before me were persecuted. We will face difficult times, but our reward is great in heaven. I think one of the greatest struggles that that I tend to have is that I tend to get caught up in the nasty now and now. I only think about what's happening today. I don't worry about what's going to happen 10 years down the road, 20 years down the road, 30 years down the road. But those who know Christ realize that our reward is great in heaven. We don't live for the present. We live for the future. We are willing to make great sacrifice because we know what the future holds for us. Well, let me give you another verse that I think will help you. Maybe you're feeling discouraged. Maybe you're feeling a little bit down today. I remind you what John the Revelator recorded as he gives us the words of Christ in Revelation chapter 22, verse number 12. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay everyone for what he has done. Payday is coming soon. Behold, I'm coming soon. It won't be too much longer. Just hang in there. You know, I remember when I was going through seminary and I was working in my undergrad, I've never been one that really was a great student. I never really loved going to school. I I went to school because I had to. And and then when God called me into the ministry, I said, well, if I'm going to be in ministry, I guess I'm going to need some education. And and, and so I went and, and I remember the beginning of every semester. They would always encourage us. You know, the semester is 16 weeks long. You can hang in there for 16 weeks. You can do anything for 16 weeks. You know, I've carried that into my life. And when I'm going through a project or I'm going through a process, I says, this is going to take three months, or this is going to take five months, or this is going to take six months. And and I chop it up and say, one day at a time, Lord, one day at a time. I can make it today. I guess I can make it tomorrow. And then when tomorrow gets here, I can make it the next day. That's how God works. Behold, he's coming soon. It's going to happen before you know it. You know, not too long ago, I did a, a funeral of one of our dear members who uh, had some age on them, and and uh, and as they were living this life to its fullest, and and uh, they were well into their eighties, I, I prayed with this man before he passed, and and he told me, he said, you know, I never thought I'd get here so fast. He was a strong believer in Christ. Had a wonderful family. His wife was there by his bedside, and and uh, and uh, and we just spent time praying with him, and and then I I brought a hymnal with me, and. And I just started opening up some of the hymns. I say, hey, hey, do you know this hymn? And we start singing that hymn, and, and we flip over a couple more pages, and, and I say, hey, do you know this hymn? And we start singing that hymn. And, and it was such a beautiful transition. He had finished his course, but he looked at his life as, I can't believe I got here so soon. You see, we only have one life to live, and so soon it's going to be gone. Only what's done for Christ will last. Well, let me give you one final verse, okay? And it's 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse number 10. Paul reminds us that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one 
may receive what is done for what was done in the body, whether it be good or evil. Now, Paul is here talking about the judgment seat of Christ. Some would say this is the Bema judgment of Christ. This is where we are brought before Christ. This is not the great white throne judgment, right? That's the judgment where the sheep and the goats are separated, where there's a separation of the, the lost and the saved, where the book is open, the great white throne judgment. And if your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, you'll be cast into outer darkness. You'll be separated from God for eternity. If your name is in the Lamb's book of life, you'll get to spend eternity in heaven with God himself, with Jesus Christ himself. Paul is not talking about the great white throne judgment. He's talking about the judgment seat of Christ where we must appear. Each one of us will appear and we will be getting a reward for what was done in the body, whether good or evil. In other words, what we did with the gifts that God gave us while we were here on this earth. Did we use the gifts that God gave us to our fullest potential? God knows how we use our gifts. God is the one who gave us these gifts. He's the one that empowers us with these gifts. Are we using these gifts to glorify Him, to be a blessing to others? Oh, my friends, I want to encourage you to keep on serving even when you feel like things are, are going sideways on you. You know, one of the reasons why I continue on this broadcast is because I want to encourage you as believers in Christ to experience revival, revival in your heart, stirring up of your soul to see things changed in your life. You know, it can be. God can change your life through a relationship with Him. You know, as I think about revival, I think about things being stirred up so that God can move in a mighty way. So many times we get complacent, uh, we get half-hearted, we have setbacks in our lives, and as a result of these setbacks, we get discouraged. Oh, my friends, can I encourage you today? Uh, maybe you're going through a divorce. You know, I have a pastor friend that I, that I love dearly. He came and spoke at our church recently, and, uh, and this is a guy who was a strong believer but went through a setback in his life. Uh, went through a divorce and, a, and went through that whole pain of experiencing divorce as a believer in Christ. And he felt worthless and he felt helpless and hopeless. And he says, here I am, a man who believes the word of God. Here I am, I'm a pastor, and yet I've gone through a divorce. He was heartbroken. He thought, you know, God's done with me. He's going to put me on the shelf and he's done with me. But you know, God has raised up this man. And God is using this man to be a blessing wherever he goes. He blessed our congregation just a few weeks ago with an encouraging testimony how God can restore in our lives what the locust hath eating. So what are you going through today? Maybe you have fallen into sin. I was just talking to a family member just a couple days ago, just a, a young, young lady who, who's part of my family. And she admitted, she says, I'm going through a hard time. Uh, these drugs have taken control of my life. They have ruined my life. And she was arrested and spent some time in jail. And now she's going to go go back to court. And, and she's just so discouraged and so defeated. I want you to know that we have a wonderful ministry that can help you navigate through the hurts, the habits, and the hangups. Hey, why don't you consider coming one Sunday night to celebrate recovery. It's at six o'clock at Hickory Ridge Community Church. We would love to have you come and get victory in those areas of your life 
that you're experiencing that setback. You know, life happens. Difficulties come our way. Uh, We're to walk in the promises of God. God says, I'm never going to leave you. I'm never going to abandon you. Uh, You know, there's uh, a prayer uh, that is given by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 4. And I want to close with this prayer because it's such an encouraging prayer for us. So here's a prayer, Philippians chapter 4, where it says, Lord, help me not to be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, may I present my request to you. And may I experience the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, so that God will guard my heart and my mind in Christ Jesus. Well, my friend, if I can pray for you, would you shoot me a text at 252-267-2365? Now, I'd love to pray for you. I'd love to encourage you from God's Word. If you'd like to come worship with us, we'd love to have you worship with us Sunday morning at 9 o'clock or 1045. God bless you for listening today. And remember that in times of persecution, God has given us the strength to keep on serving Him. In times of confusion, He can still give you that compassion to reach others with the gospel of Christ. Thank you so much for listening. Again, the number if you need to text me, 252-267-2365. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ there is always hope for your heart.